My name is Andrew Gallegos. And I'm Jen Gallegos. And we are your hosts of the Headed Home Podcast. Over the past few years, we've created episodes discussing growth, strategies for life obstacles, and have interviewed some inspirational people. Moving forward, we're going to shift our focus a bit from us and our story to other top producing professionals in the industry that I work in, which is real estate and mortgages. We want to find out how other people accomplish their goals, overcome difficulties, and achieve growth and success in this crazy world. Hope you enjoy. Up, everybody. This is Andrew. I'm Jen. And welcome to another episode of the Headed Home Podcast. It's a special day today. We've got a special guest. It's also Halloween, so we're hoping for a spooktacular episode. Mm, dude, hold on. Dude, Dad I don't, joke. I don't want to hear your all of your puns for the whole... I Brett, Brett's known us for a while, but I did Andrew ever do puns with you when he was younger? It doesn't end. Oh my on. God. <laughs> Like he truly, I mean, you could do a pun. Every I'm thinking of him like every word you say right now. I'm thinking of like puns in my mind, but just I'm throw not them in throughout the episode. All right, yeah, we can do a pun episode, but it is Halloween. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a a, gotta, a big day for people. Well, some people are not going to see this because they're listening, but I have my Halloween shirt on. It's a skeleton in a coffin, and it says "Never Better." It's my favorite sweatshirt. I love it. Well, let's introduce our guest. Um, his name is Brett Johnson. He is a real estate agent in Arizona. I'm going to have him give a little background on uh, his market and, and what he does. But Brett and I go way back. We actually grew up in the same neighborhood 30, 30 some odd years ago. We went to the same middle school, high school, played sports together have kept in touch since high school and uh, he's a great guy. He's a successful real estate agent and a good friend. And uh, Brett, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me guys. It's great seeing you. And it's uh, been a while since we've seen each other in person, but uh, always fun to catch up with you both. And appreciate you having me today. Hey, do you know, guys, man. do you remember how like you met? Cause I remember where Andrew lived and, and Brett, you lived on Ellsworth. Is that where you lived? Yep. Same How did you guys meet? Good Do you question. even remember, man? We were probably seven years old. I don't even know. And I was yeah. young when I moved out of that neighborhood. But I think, uh, yeah, I know we had hung out a little bit when we were that age. But um, yeah, we, we were living in that same hood up until we were like seven and then uh, kind of reconnected in high school when you were there. So yeah, I think yeah. I don't know. Next door neighbor, mutual friends, Trumbull. Shout out to Matt. But uh, that's probably how we met originally. I mean, you guys went yeah. to elementary school and then ended up, what, junior high and high school together. So it's been so a while. crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Meeting Jen during high school as well. So uh, yeah. You you, you, <laughs> you've been stuck with us ever since. The life oh. of the party. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So really cool that we have you on because you are the first agent that we've had outside of the Colorado market. So for our listeners and for Andrew and I, give us just kind of like a general idea of what your market has been looking like, any, you know, any details that you think are important for us to know. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we're kind of the ground zero for every new market trend that happens. I mean, you guys have probably heard of these iBuyers that are starting. Um, I'm sure Open yeah. Door, OfferPad, all of those are in Colorado by now. We kind of start that trend and then um, they spread from there. But honestly, we had about 110,000 sales last year in our market. We're about 5 million people. Phoenix Metro is uh, the service that you know my team runs. Uh, we also have 83,000 licensed agents in our area, of which about half of those belong to the MLS. And obviously, you know, the numbers of who do the, the amount of business out of that. Um, but it is a uh, competitive market. That said, we also have a lot of opportunity. And I think this shift is definitely showing some of that. Just as far as uh, pure numbers, our, our overall, you know, transaction volumes down about 27% um, year over year for the total market out here. So we are seeing some... Mm -hmm. Less, um, you know, 
volume, I guess, as far as actual closings. And I think that's going to be the nature of pretty much everywhere in the U.S. this year. But that said, um, I run a team. We have uh, seven agents. Um, I've kind of give you a background, done everything in real estate. I started actually at ASU as an intern and kind of sought out a mentor to get into the residential um, side of things. I was kind of mm-hmm. th- thinking I wanted to do commercial originally too. And so this gentleman, uh, his name is Lester Cox. He's still in the business actually at 50 years plus. Um, wow. And he That's took me amazing. under his wing and kind of taught me the ropes. Uh, amazing opportunity. I started there, worked about a decade um, under the sales. I ran the sales manager position for that company. And then we ended up branching out during the REO heyday. Um, and actually started our own brokerage. I eventually took that over as a designated broker with a couple locations. Um, I think we had about 50 agents across two um, you know, locations, I guess, over the, the big times. And um, eventually in 2016, I kind of closed that down, took about 20 of us over to my current broker, Realty Executives, and started a team model at that point. We call it Realty Network Group. And um, we kind of specialize in taking buyers that we have waiting in our database, matching them up with sellers and trying to create a network for agents to really uh, provide support, lead systems, whatever that is to kind of grow their business and also brand themselves and kind of create a, a you know, a network um, between everyone to succeed. So it's been a fun ride, uh, a lot of challenges, a lot of success and, uh, you know, still doing it. Now I'll be 18 years in January. Um, crazy. Up, so. crazy Dang. Thing. You're like a, you're like a real life adult now. Who would have thought, right? I know. Not, not me for sure. No, me neither. So. <laughs> well, it, it, it's funny, man. Like, um, I know a lot of real estate agents and a lot of loan officers and it's rare to find it really anyone who's who who has that idea of wanting to get into the industry like in college or just you know in their early 20s i feel like it's an industry that typically people have like another job you know and then they're like okay that didn't work out or and maybe they kind of use that job as a platform to be a real estate agent maybe they start doing real estate part-time but you got in right off the bat being younger and being in a competitive industry like that uh like did you struggle right when you started or did you find success in it right away well i think the passion was i my mom was 30 years in the business um and so i loved watching her you know over the weekends just put deals together it was cool to me from a sales i standpoint i guess of watching these solutions essentially get put together on paper and then really having that fun process of seeing buyers get keys and you know what comes with that you guys would agree and that's one of the best parts of this job um so i think it was kind of her that helped me find a way to start um you know she actually had a mutual friend out here in arizona that uh had known lester and that's kind of how we got connected and so without him i think it would have been a struggle granted he was helpful in the fact of giving me leads, training, mentoring. I think that if you're a brand new agent is a crucial part to this. Um, Mm -hmm. There's no reason to recreate the wheel, just dive in and try to, you know, be hard headed and do this on your own. I mean, there's so many people that have succeeded ahead of us. Why not just find their systems, replicate it, and then kind of just roll into that. So that's really, I think, what gave me the ability to kind of get a kickstart, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then from there, obviously, trial and error and, and figuring out what works with my brand and, you know, where my passions were, I think. And that's kind of what's kept me in it for this long. <laughs> what was what was like the hardest um, experience or lesson or thing that you learned kind of starting off? Because that's a hard I, I think, I mean, starting off like that, I think is I mean, can certainly provide a lot of hard lessons. But what was like something that that stands out to you? Honestly, I think it's just talking with people. So I was at ASU, very social, very outgoing. Uh, trouble is that all my friends, I was joke, were doing keg stands. They weren't buying houses at the time. So <laughs> I needed to find somebody that could provide lead opportunities or you know people that I could speak with. And then the biggest challenge to me was taking the limited knowledge, I guess, that I had at the time and trying to correlate that into... Uh, a value proposition to get somebody to want to work with a young 21, 22 mm-hmm. year old kid at the yeah. time. Right. So I think the biggest thing that I focused on and what truly is kind of the secret to sales in the beginning is just understanding your personality type 
and then recognizing what the personality type of that prospect is, whether that's on the phone to start or obviously at a face-to-face -face appointment. And then just kind of changing your style to correlate how they want to be sold to essentially, right? And that's the true secret. Um, and then just finding that bat. Um, you know, there's a million ways to do real estate, um, a million ways to find leads and, and kind of create your pillars as we call it with our team. But mm -hmm. you got to talk to people. And so if you're kind of hesitant to do that, maybe finding a source of uh, maybe a team or some kind of pillar that'll provide you those at-bats and give you some opportunity again to talk with them. And that's really what can you know kickstart things as needed. I think we've talked about that. Like when you... I mean, there's a, a lot of people, I think, in this in this world that don't, you know, ever really learn how to like communicate or like feel comfortable talking. And that's like a huge part of of sales or having difficult jobs. Yeah. I, well, it, I think naturally we think that other people have the same personality that we have. Right. Like we see that they see we think that they see a situation through the same lens that we see it through and it's simply not true and you know and and i remember when that it took me a while to learn that but it was like okay the way that i like to communicate was at the beginning of my career was over the phone you know i'd like to just have phone conversations and then but some people don't you know some people like emails some people like long emails some people hate emails so like yeah you have to find a way to understand what that personality is like what do you think? Like, is that just listening? I mean, is that just sitting back and like having that awareness in your mind that, okay, when I'm having this conversation, I'm going to listen to this person, kind of identify what their personality is and then adapt to it. Is that how you go I about it, Brett? Key part, man. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. you know, there's scripts and things you can use to help drive the conversation and get a, a sense of where you want to lead to it. But the negative to that is so often, you know, when I'm coaching agents, it's they're listening to respond instead of listening to understand. And if you can just take the second to sometimes just take our realtor and lender hats off and, and hear them out, figure out what their frustrations are, that then naturally gives you transitions to help pivot to some type of opportunity that can solve that for them. And mm -hmm. obviously in the beginning, it's, you know, uh, creating opportunities to have appointments, do maybe a buyer or seller consultation, uh, listen at that appointment and figure out what's important to that prospect or prospective client. And then utilize your skills to kind of solve those issues. And if you listen well, that's where it starts. Um, but I think to that point too, just really knowing your style and then recognizing the other is the key key to that. We use the DISC personality assessments quite a bit when we're training agents, kind of mm -hmm. help them figure out you know, how they are. And then so often you meet somebody that's a total polar opposite of you and fighting those urges to over talk or you know bulldoze over them sometimes and really again listen to your point andrew um that's kind of where it starts and then from there you gain confidence and um you know take it to the next level i suppose what are you on the disc profile uh i am a high i as you guys can tell uh with a lot of d uh followed up with that no c interesting uh, no, not detailed oriented at all i have some great amazing partners uh, to help me with that and uh, certainly client service, that S um, personality is a huge factor of ours. But as far as, you know, my personality, it's definitely I driven. Hmm. Interesting. What are you, what are you, babe? I'm a high C. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm like pretty much all C. And it's changed over the years. I think I took that before I really, right when I got into the business, I took it and it was, yeah, high C. And then it, I think it's kind of gone a little bit towards D since then, but. I, I think for some people, D is just something that you have to develop, you know, but um, yeah. you're an I too, mm -hmm. right? I'm yeah. an I for sure. I an like that. I through and through. Love it. You mentioned, um, you've mentioned a couple of times, I just want to touch on this, just not to skip over it. Um, you know, you mentioned like when you were younger, w watching your mom, you know, do deals and you, and you, met, you, you said create solutions. And I just, I think, and then you, you kind of alluded to that too, you know, just in terms of listening to clients and like uh, uh, giving solutions, right? Like everyone's got not a problem, but it's like they have a goal and, and, and you have to listen to what that goal is and then offer a solution. And that's how you become valuable to the marketplace. Uh, I just think that's a cool way to look at it. Um, I think we, a, a lot of times you just kind of skip over that, but I think like find, finding solutions for clients is what can really make you valuable as um, a sales professional. And I also think one of the things that's really important when you're, and Brett, you touched on this, but I think 
really ensuring that like you are providing help and support to whoever you're you're helping. And if you look at it from a lens of that, instead of like them just getting to like the end of the transaction, I think that can really change the way that you listen to people. You know, if you're really walking in with this idea that like you're going to do whatever you can to help like the human in front of you and humanize them, that that really changes it as opposed to just walking in and hoping that you can close a transaction. And I, th I think that that's like a really important point too, and probably difficult for people. And I, and I want to ask you about this, but when you're like coaching new agents, I'm wondering if that's sometimes a difficult thing to teach them right away. I think it is. The, the issue is, you know, well, you guys agree, buying and selling is a process. It's not an event, right? So I think NAR came out last year, more recently with their updated stats the time that a buyer thinks about purchasing a home to when they actually pull that trigger and close is like three years now. Mm. So if you don't have a system in place to stay top of mind, to actually you know nurture, if need be, a prospect for that long, you're going into it with the wrong attitude. And, and so often you get these new salespeople that come in with that paycheck in mind, the first thing they think about, and they yeah. don't realize that you know 90%, if not more, of the people they're speaking with today aren't ready to buy or sell tomorrow. And so it's kind of taking that bulldoze effect out. I'm not trying to put the horse before the cart, as we say, and realizing just listening, figuring out where they're at in that process and then providing solutions or ways to nurture and, and offer value for sometimes three to eight years sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's the key prospect. And so in, in, in knowing that or accepting it, then it's just a matter of front end loading that pipeline constantly so that you're filling that with opportunity, eventually those opportunities fall out into you know, buyers and sellers at the time. And that's, I think, the most frustrating parts of many of these um, new agents is it's not like corporate America where you sign up and you've guaranteed a paycheck coming in the next couple of weeks. And so just kind of uh, fighting those urges to overstep boundaries sometimes and just really listen is, is the key part to this for sure. What are some of the, what are some of like the specific tools that you teach new agents um, to do to like build those relationships and, and keep, you know, keep them top of mind, like as they're going through the process? Well, I think it's, it starts with figuring out their personality, like we talked about, but understanding like what are the pillars of business that really are going to relate to them and correlate to stuff that they're going to do. So as I said, there's yeah. a million ways to do business. You can cold call, you can door knock, you can take internet leads. We're very heavy in that scenario is kind of what I was taught and, and what we still do to this day. But not every agent relates to that, right? So it's figuring out what are your pillars, sitting down from day one with a true business plan. Um, and that's something I love to do with agents, whether they're on my team or not. I've kind of a passion project not to go off is I've created a, what I'm calling better team. Basically, it's um, kind of a collaboration room where agents can share best uh, practices, results, things that they're kind of doing and, and kind of help each other out, especially as this market shifts. But oftentimes I'll meet with somebody through there in a whole different state and we do a business plan. It's really figuring out what are the three top things that they will do day in and day out with consistency and then figuring out how that can correlate to actual paychecks down the road. So, you know, if it's internet yeah. leads, understanding the conversion ratios of those, um, what are the technology factors you need to, you know, make contacts. We joke it's a contact sport, just like high school football was, right? Like the more contacts you make, the more that you're going to have opportunity. And then realizing that the ones that you're speaking with today may or may not be ready to buy or sell in the next three to six months. So what are your... Um, abilities to nurture, um, you know, and stay top of mind. Um, biggest thing for us, Jen, is the client for life experience. Um, you know, my personal business is essentially all past clients and referrals at this point. I haven't really taken an internet lead since 2012. So my business is just staying top of mind, helping my clientele, and then, uh, you know, working for referrals. And so we do things from client events to our VIP rewards program, uh, they get gifts from us quarterly. Uh, we call them our schmooze moments, but things that I'll notice on you know Facebook or um, or say you know some kind of social media will uh, you know try to create an experience around it. We had a client just driving out that. to uh, Newport Beach the other day. We had a bottle of champagne in their hotel room when they arrived. Uh, just thinking of them and just little things that we can create opportunity um, to stay top of mind, but also really 
uh, love on, if you want to use that word, our clients and show them we really care. And we're not just in it for a real estate transaction. We want to be their uh, resource for life. And, you know, and that's really helped my business grow over the, over the years for sure. I love the creativity too. You know, like you said, you kind of surprise somebody with a champagne uh, in that situation, you know, a champagne bottle on a trip. Like that's awesome, man. And that's got to make a, a lasting impact for your clients too. Well, just fun things that we get to do to kind of uh, see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. You guys will agree, like buying and selling is kind of a stressful process, right? But once you've yeah. done that, and you've closed on your home, then it's so often that they forget about us. And if we don't try to remember the fun times that we had or, um, you know, try to avoid the, uh, the frustrations or stressful stuff that happened too, um, it can become just a commodity, essentially, or agents can. And so that's, I think, the yeah. key in, in creating a lasting business and certainly a referral based business is those experiences and why would they think of us above all other options um, you know when it comes to buying it's all in the future or referring people to us yeah it's so loud out there too you know i think that with everything that's thrown at them i think that those personal touches go along uh go a long way um i want to i want to talk a little bit about you know the fact that you've built this team and, you know, you've really kind of leveled up from starting out as, you know, an intern to, you know, a broker to broker owner, you know, like having a team under you. Like I talked to a lot of agents that have been in the business for a long time and it's like, how oh, I wish I could, I wish I could just build a team or I wish I could take it to that next level. And, and, you know, it's not all that common that, that people are able to do that how like how have you and i know there's a lot that goes into this but like how have you been able to do it like what would you attribute the, your success to doing that to <laughs> a lot of failing forward honestly um, really you know, okay it's not as easy as it looks and i think the key is really understanding your why to begin right like everyone goes into this thinking okay the team is what creates income for us it gives us way to maybe step out of the business. What they don't realize is that running a team or God forbid a brokerage as I've done too, is literally a 24 seven adult babysitting. It's a lot of just yeah. painful side of things that really have nothing to do with buying and selling. But if your why is strong enough and you figure out the reason you're doing these, that's what's gonna kind of give you that roadmap as far as where you wanna take it. So that's come over honestly decades of really running this and trying different things, figuring out where I, I relate. Um, you know, at one point in my career, I wanted to be the designated broker, we call it out here, and, you know, be the, the top dog and have multiple locations and be able to do that. And that came with a lot of stresses, a lot of headaches. Um, certainly, they don't call it a brokerage for a reason. Like, there is a, a broke avenue to that, too, if you're not leveraging other income sources. So, trial and error, I figured out that my true passion was helping my agents. And to do that, I really needed to keep it a smaller, family, tight-knit opportunity. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we've actually just downsized our team um, as of last week. We're going to keep only a, a few of our kind of go-to agents. And I'm looking now at more of kind of a showing agent model where a lot of it will go around me. And then I have the support and help from our team to kind of leverage um, my business. And it just gives me opportunity, again, to do the things that I really enjoy, which are the coaching side of it. Watching these agents take something brand new um, with no skill set and really creating kind of a life that I feel like my mentor gave to me. Um, that's what I want to push off to them without the hassles and the, you know, the, the profitability problems that come with running brokerages and, you know, bigger models, things of that nature. So if you know what your why is, that'll drive you through some of the tougher times. And then from there, it's kind of figuring out what your skill set is and, and aligning that with where you want to go every day. And I think that's the key to it. Well, no, that's great. And I also think you mentioned, you know, failing forward, you know, and, and I, I think a lot of people get caught up in this mindset of the conditions have to be perfect. I have to have everything figured out before I take action. And as I get further into my career, I realize that action is so important, right? Like just doing and you, you, what, what's the aim, shoot, the name, shoot, the name, you know, idea. But that's so important. If you don't do anything else, even if you don't have a plan, like if you act and if you if you have an idea of, OK, I want to have a team and you just start doing, um, I think that's I think that's huge. 
I, Brett, one thing you said that I just want to like mention again, because I think it's so important and, you know, obviously most of my experience has been in education, but one thing that I see a, a, from a ton of people is, you know, you have someone that's like really great at their job. And so then they want to take the next step and become a leader. And I think, you know, I had this experience when I, you know, became a leader and was in charge of all of these people and had to lead them and manage them. But you get into this position where you're like, oh shit, like this is a whole new skill set that I have literally no like understanding around. And I think that, you know, just based on, on what you said, probably similar experience that you, you become responsible for leading these people and very quickly have to start learning a whole new set of skills. Um, and I think, you know, I think that's really important for people listening when you're, you know, considering starting a team that a lot of the, a lot of the ways that you can become an effective leader in those situations is like, you have to work on yourself all the time and like learn some of those best practices around, around leadership to help these people that you're, you know, having to support. But, um, yeah, talk me through yeah. like anything, you know, any experience that you had with that where you were like, oh man, like I have to, I have to learn some different ways of doing things because, you know, like you said, you have people 24 seven that are coming to you about, I mean, anything from a bathroom not working to like them having personal problems that are impacting their work. Um, yeah, yeah talk me through that. Great points. Um, so, you know, to share with you, my why has always been freedom and whether that's family freedom, financial freedom, just the ability to live a life on my own terms and not, you know, be um, stuck under you know, whatever that may be. And so early in the career, I realized I was good at the sales side. I, I really enjoyed the client things, but it didn't give me that ability to step out and, you know, have that freedom. So I thought, all right, immediately, I've just got to run this brokerage. I've got to get a bunch of agents under me and I can do that. And I realized quickly when I transitioned from you know, taking over my mentors team to me running it, that my leadership skills were nothing like he had. Right. And so we had this, let's say mass exodus, but certainly kind of a breakdown in the system, understanding how did they correlate with him versus my skills and you know style. And so what it really was the key to me were two things. Um, number one was figuring out myself. So you pointed to kind of the, the idea of understanding our personalities mm -hmm. and, you know, figuring us out. It, it started with a book. I think I shared this with you, Jen, a long time ago with that miracle morning, right? And realizing that mm -hmm. every day I had to Love wake it. up and set my own day. And I had to own that and realize I had to grow as a person first before I'd be able to help others grow. And then the second part was getting coaching. Um, you know, just like with sports, Andrew, we, we believe in it. You're coaching yeah. your son right now, right? Like yep. that's a crucial part. And so I have, kid you not, traveled the world. I go to 10, 15 masterminds a year. I'm actually in one of our groups right here on the Lion's Den. And this is truly about the, the leadership style. I have coaches that it has nothing to do with real estate. It's how do I coach others? How do I improve upon myself? And I, by no means imperfect, right? I make mistakes every day and I, I try to, you know, maybe not listen as well as I should to them, or I can't understand why they won't do it my way or why I might want it more than they want it. But it's, it's so true, Jen, like everyone has a different uh, skill set. Everyone has a different purpose in life. And no matter what, I'll never have my goals push over theirs. I just need to correlate how I can help them achieve theirs and then maybe grow up with my, you know, structures or systems or something in order to make mine with the benefit of helping them grow at the same time. And so I think that's the key part. Realize you're never going to be perfect. You've got to seek mm -hmm. out coaching. You've got to seek out um, whatever it is to, to help you improve. And it's not a bad thing. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. You're going to fail quite a bit, but that's how you grow and that's how you improve in the long run. Yeah. I think if you're, I think if you're a leader and you're not doing any sort of like personal development or coaching, you're going to be in a rough spot because you, I mean, it, it takes every, it takes your best version of who you are to, to effectively lead people and, and help them be the best people that they can be. And so, um, I love that. Yeah. I remember when we talked about Miracle Morning and it's funny how Elrod actually has a podcast that I listen to uh, now, but that's for any of you listening, that's a, a great book for sure to start with. If you're thinking about, 
um, personal development stuff and haven't really gotten into it. Well, in, in the traits that make you good at your job, you know, the traits that make you good at being a sales professional are like you mentioned are completely different mm -hmm. traits that it, it, that you have to have to be a good leader. It's totally different. That's awesome, man. I love the mastermind idea. And you've been doing that. I feel like, and now is that early in your career that you got into that stuff too? Like right off the bat, well, the coaching and stuff? Partially my mentor, right? Like he was big into the coaching in the beginning. And as an intern, I went and traveled with him and we went to coaching programs and I never thought of that. I just thought you, cool. you know, you pick up a phone essentially, or you go sit open houses or whatever my mom had maybe done, but old school ways of doing real estate we talked about and realize there's a whole nother way to do it. And it's running it like a business, understanding your, your specialties and how you can leverage people or systems to kind of, you know, um, exceed or, or step past those hurdles or plateaus that we run into. And so that was something ingrained from literally day one uh, that he walked me through. And now I, you know, I've had decades of his same coaches, different ones that I've done. I just started a new coach actually last week. Um, you know, and I, I invest, tens of thousands a year in that because I truly believe if I'm going to grow and help my agents grow, I don't know it all, right? Like I always joke and you guys all test, we went to high school together. Like I was very good at copying, uh, very good at not say cheating, I no. need somebody that knew it better than me and figuring out how to, um, you know, use the skill sets I might have had to help, you know, uh, accomplish what we needed to. And so I look at it that way now, why recreate the wheel? Why do I have to have the answers? I can just uh, R&D, uh, you know, replicate and duplicate or whatever, um, mm -hmm. repeat and duplicate, rip off and duplicate, I guess is the true way to say it. Um, <laughs> and just put my name on it, roll with the systems, um, you know, and copy and paste. And that's the quickest way to get into where you want to go. And then it's really, again, correlating to what you have a passion for. What will you do every single day when times are tough? And that's what you got to laser focus on. And especially in this market, right? Like there's so many shiny objects so many things that are thrown at agents, um, let alone in the media and news constantly. What is your passion? What will you show up when the times are tough and you're going to do consistently? And that's what's going to win in the long run. And maybe that's cold calling. Maybe it's, you know, sitting on a dialer for eight hours a day and, and making conversations and, and talking to people. Whatever it is, you've got to figure those uh, pillars out and then just focus, you know, intent on what you need to do day in and day out. I think two things that you said are really important when you're thinking about like difficult times. So the first one, I think a lot of times like when thing and I, you know, I'm thinking from my experience when I was really sick, um, one of the things that I did initially was any, any great routine that I had stopped. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is that your routine actually is more important during like difficult times than it is when things are really like good. And I think that a lot of people, you know, whether it's in work when the market is bad or in your personal life or anything, but if you stop those routines or those systems that you know are going to get results when things are, are hard, because like you said, there's a shiny object or it's too hard mm -hmm. or whatever, that can like really screw you up. And so I think making sure that you stay intentional, um, and and consistent with those routines during hard times is really important. And then the other thing that I think is important that you said with hard things or hard times is that personal development. But I know, you know, one thing Andrew and I have, have talked a lot about is like the stuff that we have learned through, um, you know, personal development that we've done in our personal lives or with work, right? Mm -hmm. the the skills that we've learned have really gotten us through like some difficult seasons. And I think what's really nice and I feel just so incredibly grateful about this is that I was able to learn skills, um, you know, through studying personal development that have gotten me through some really difficult situations. And I can imagine that people when they go through difficult times in life or they go, you know, let's say they're an agent and they go through a difficult market. If they don't have those skills, um, that can seem like terrifying, you know, and they, they don't have the capacity to handle difficult conversations or hard seasons or things like that. And that's why I think it's so important for new agents or any, you know, anyone in general to really spend time, like you said, you do on, on coaching and all that, um, 
to focus on those skills because that's really what gets you through, you know, hard seasons. Well, I got to say, you guys are a testament to that. It's been fun just watching for years now. Um, and I remember when you started it, even on a social media standpoint, right, and putting yourself out there. And I think maybe it was just to hold yourselves accountable to kind of the day in and day out, or maybe even a distraction at times to get through those tough things that you guys were going through. But, you know, it, it creates that base and that um, mm -hmm. you know foundation that is so critical. If you can win that morning every day, get yourself right, the rest of the day, you can be reactive. You can, you know, pivot as you need to, but you've already had those wins that you need to kind of build upon every day. And, and again, with consistency, it's just these mm -hmm. little things over time that compound. We've talked about compound effect, right? Like what a, mm -hmm. another great book. Um, and it, it truly is a foundation that anything can change off of or build off of, excuse me, but um, it starts winning that morning every day. And mm -hmm. again, no better way to do it, than, especially what you guys have done. It's been fun watching. Yeah. Thanks, man. It's been huge. And, uh, I agree, man, just getting those wins, you know, even, even the minor, even just checking that little, you know, 10 minute reading or, you know, whatever it is, meditation or, or a little workout, like just checking that box and our business is tough, you know, like there's, there's, um, there's always something different, you know, there's always a problem to solve. You're never going to see the same situation twice. So you have to, you know, you gotta be ready every single day are there a couple things that you do every day or is there, or, I mean, just like habits that you've kind of built that you found have helped you? Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent, it's those savers that I do every morning, right? That morning routine. I, I just replicate hello world's book, the miracle morning yeah. savers, S-A-V-E-R-S, right? So that sets my day. I think the big thing it's mindset driven, right? So much in the media right now. Um, the best thing I did two years ago is I turned the news off. I couldn't yeah. tell you what's going on in the world. Um, Darren Hardy taught me this one. I always thought he was crazy. I told like, how you. Would you. Yeah. Yeah. How could you live on that? Right. Like, and the amount of bullshit that they put out and again, that sells their headlines and stuff, but it just screws with your mind. And the mindset is everything. When the shift happens, if your mind isn't right, if you don't have those foundations built, you're going to be reactive and you're going to let others kind of dictate where your day goes. And so I don't have those stresses. I don't worry about, you know, politics or any of that stuff. I still have opinions on it. Don't get me wrong. And, and we can joke about that all day long. But, but that said, I, I wake up every day with a purpose. I have my goals that I read two, three times a day. They're posted in my morning routine. Um, you know, my family is a huge support. And I think that's something that I've watched you two. I mean, what, what an amazing support you guys have as a family and, and how important that is, right? Finding the right partner in life is everything. Yeah, and um, yeah. trials and errors with that myself but um you know having that is really where you if you win that morning everything else from the day can you know come from that and i think that's the key is just protecting your mindset with everything um, mm -hmm. what's the yeah, hardest yeah. you mentioned uh sure. the miracle morning um uh idea what is the what is like the hardest routine or thing that you do in your day like what's one thing that you really struggle to do i think for uh, me it's visualization so I, i'm just yeah. interested in knowing what yours is yeah mine is exercise sadly like i <laughs> if i don't add that as part of my morning or even now i have a you know soon to be two-year-old and she likes to sleep till 10 a.m mm -hmm. and my you know gym home gym is right outside her room so i've had to struggle with my wife yelling at me for waking her up in the morning if i'm getting up you know because i'm up at 5 36 or whatever so trying to reallocate my schedule to get that in or make it a, a routine and sometimes i fall off the wagon there um, but outside of that i think the others have just become a habit right and so mm -hmm. every day i wake up without an alarm like i'm excited about the morning and we've actually on our team we have a group of four of us now that we're up every morning with our text thread or Slack or whatever we're using technology wise. And we're sharing those wins and that intention every day. And then the next day we're kind of sharing, Hey, what did I do? That was exciting. What did I win? What did I fall off track? And just kind of using that accountability of a group uh, to kind of hold you accountable and, and push through too. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, you know, you hit and miss everything. I, the visualization was super hard in the beginning. The meditation for me or kind of that sitting in silence was tough. I used an app, uh, Headspace. I still use it. I mean, that mm -hmm. has really helped me kind of grow in that avenue. Uh, but sadly, the exercise is the one that I tend to, <laughs> yeah, you know, 
mess up on a little more than I should. So <laughs> any tips for you guys? Cause you do well with that. No. <laughs> Dude, it's always a struggle. I mean, yeah, my, my tip is just, I mean, for me, the only way I can do it is just by getting up earlier, mm -hmm. yep. you know, cause with the kids, you when they, to. when they get up, it was just really hard for me to, if I couldn't get that workout in before they got up, I just wasn't getting it in. Sure. So yeah, I was just getting up a little bit earlier and then trying to find, you know, I still play basketball with the team, you know, trying to, and, and that's a form of accountability. You know, you got a yep. game every week. So it's like, um, that kind of keeps me in line, but it never, I, I, we've joked about this. Like it never gets easier. Like exercise. It's not ever. like, oh, okay, today I want to do the exercise. Like I just never, ever want to do it ever. Yeah. I never want to yeah. do any of that shit. It's never mm -hmm. like, it's never like you want to go do any of it, but you feel so much better after you right. do it. Well, you know? and it's quadrant two stuff. Like no one, and, and I mean, accountability is great. You know, if you have a, a text thread with people on your team that are doing it, you know, they're going to know if you don't do it. But at the end of the day, it's just, it's you that you're like, like no one's really holding you accountable to, to reading or meditating or visual visualization. Like it's just, it's up to you, but that's why, you know, for me, sometimes, yeah, like when the market shifts like this, you know, it'll be like, ah, I'm just going to work instead of doing it, it's spending this hour, you know, doing all of these um, things that I know is going to make me better long term. Maybe I should just prospect for an hour, you know, or work on like business building on and, you know, that shiny object type thing. So that that will um, sway me sometimes. But um, but yeah, you know, that's what it is. But in this market, though, I do want to talk a little bit about the market um, and just kind of get your opinion you know, rates have jumped up 3% almost uh, around there this year. Like, what are you seeing from your buyers? Um, and I guess sellers too, like what, what's kind of the conversations that you're having in this, in this higher rate environment? Well, I think what we've found, it's more critical than ever right now to have a true consultation with our clients and, and prospective clients, right? Like in the heyday that we've had for the last three years, there were so many agents that ran, I call them the Zillow model, right? Where you get a call or you get a lead and you go meet them at a house, you open the door and you chase them down the driveway trying to say, well, if you don't buy this one, I can help you with another, right? And it was just the speed to that appointment because if you didn't do it, somebody else would. And now it's more of an understanding of not buying and selling may not be the best solution for everyone in this market. It's tough to say when the interest rate's 2% why you wouldn't buy, but when it's seven, eight, 9% that we might see by the end of the year, like it doesn't make sense for everyone to. But if you sit down and actually have a consultation, understand their true purpose, their goals, and help formulate a strategy, um, oftentimes, you know, they're going to lead themselves to their own decision on what is best. And then you just need to have the resources to kind of help them. And maybe that is waiting a year or two um, if, if renting makes more sense potentially or they're looking to sell or, or move in the next two to three years, maybe it isn't the best time to buy. So I think the big thing for us was taking this um, mentality of really being a servant, helping them understand their goals and formulating a plan. And that's given us a lot of freedom um, to do the right thing and not feel like we had to you know, push buying and selling up down everyone's throat, if you will. Um, <clears throat> that said, it's the same thing. It's kind of the stalemate out here right now. If you've got a 2% interest rate on your sale, what, you know, it's tough to, to want to put your home on the market and, and move to take a 9% or whatever it's going to be, unless there's a true, um, motivation or timing issue with them. And so, you know, we're actually as a team going back through Gary Keller's shift book, um, you know, and really analyzing those tactics. And one of which is really truly working with the motivated and determined buyers and sellers right now. Um, the rest of them, we have the process in place. We use technology to kind of be a resource and nurture, but we're not putting our resources and time into those prospects. We're really just working harder. And don't get me wrong, it's a grind right now. We're doing things that we got lazy on the last three years, uh, but real, refocusing our efforts and looking for those truly motivated individuals that we can truly help. Um, and that's what's helped. Uh, on top of that, guys, it's just expense management. Um, you know, we we have a lot of $29.99 opportunities in uh, real estate. They're always throwing a shiny object and you end up looking at your P&Ls and, and looking at areas that you can cut 15 to 30% of your expenses. And we did that early. I'm still looking to cut things. Um, luckily, I had a little savings and we did well in the, the heyday and I didn't spend it all. But um, you know, just like everyone, we have to truly run this like a business and realize that you can only put in so many hours and, and front end to find those right buyers. You have to also 
maintain your profitability on the back end, which comes with expenses and running the business properly on that angle too. Great points, man. I have uh, I have one last question for you. That is this the it, surprise? No, okay. I got the surprise question. This is going to be great. Um, also, maybe terrifying. But uh, so, um, one thing you mentioned before, um, you were kind of talking about accountability. You know, people that can kind of hold you accountable or whatever. How important has it been for you to have like accountability partners, either through like your, um, you know, mastermind groups or whatever? Like, how how vital is that for you? Um, to kind of make sure that you are staying on the right track with your goals and what, what you're wanting to do? I'd say it's everything. It's actually one of our core values. Dependability through accountability is our third core value. And honestly, I don't look at accountability as like a punishment. Mm -hmm. So many people are like, oh, it's just, you know, you didn't do this, so shame on you and, you know, whatever. Right. I just believe if an agent tells me this is their why, this is what, what they want to accomplish and it's a true goal, then it's my job as their leader to to provide an environment with every resource possible to help them succeed at that. I can't go do the work for them and I can't, you know, again, um, want it more than they do sometimes, but that said, I can provide those systems and if they can, um, you know, succeed in it, then it's my job to help hold them to those standards that they set. So we uh, do a daily huddle with the team. We go through, you know, what we call their KPIs, if you will, but I don't really run it as a, Hey, you didn't make this many calls. You're falling off. We just look at those as training opportunities. We know where they're making dials. And, and again, those conversations or contact sport we talked about. Um, but it then gives us opportunity for where we can grow. Maybe it's they're, they're talking to a lot of people. They're not setting the appointments. Then I know it's a scripting issue or something maybe where they're talking, uh, not resonating or listening properly. So to me, the accountability is just making sure that we know day in and day out where they're at on track with their business and being able to pivot if they're falling short or, or falling off track. Um, but for me personally, it's just been that motivation every morning of that routine that pushes me mm -hmm. to do it. And then I set high standards with my coaches. Um, my newest coach is a hard ass and I wanted that, right? Like he accepts no excuses. Like if I don't have my shit done, He's not going to, he'll hang up on me and I'm wasting thousands a month for nothing. Right. So I need that to kind of push me through those hard times or if I'm getting distracted and that's, um, you know, finding what resonates with everyone, not all my agents would like that. So it's really mm -hmm. just figuring out what works best for them and making sure we're providing again, that environment for them to succeed if that's important to them. I love that, that Jim Rohn yeah. quote, what is it like you're the average of the five people you hang out with? the most. Yeah. But I think one thing that's so important to think about is like having those people like around you and it, it might not, you know, one thing we've talked about sometimes it might not be someone that is, you know, lives in, in your area or sometimes for me, like the people that I'm, you know, I would say are closest to me are like people that wrote a book. Like if I'm really into this like book or system or whatever, um, I might count that person as, as, part of my like inner circle. So I think, I think that that's great that you mentioned that, that it's really important to have people surrounding you that can really like build you up and hold you accountable to the things that you want to do that you, that you've said. Um, have you ever read that book, Brett, that what it's called, like how to say anything to anyone? Have you ever he heard of that I book? I haven't read it, no, but it's on my list. I've, I've oh, I'll, sure. I'll, I'm going to send it to you. It's okay. what's really great about that. And it's something, uh, when I was a, a principal, it really helped me a lot, but essentially it's, you know, I, I'm as your leader, like one thing I'm going to do is make sure that I am helping support you so that you can get to where you want to go. And part of that means that I'm going to give you positive feedback and also negative feedback if you're not going to a place where you said you wanted to be. But I think having those conversations with people at the beginning, at the beginning, very beginning, beginning. that's like the first conversation that you have. Yep. Yeah. To, to really define for people like, Hey, as your leader, this is what I'm going to do because this is where you said you want to go. Um, I think is so important for, you know, leadership because you are going to be in a position where you have to hold people accountable because they said that they wanted to do this thing. Right. And, and those conversations can be hard. And that book is, was really great for, really great for us. Yeah. So, 
All right, surprise question. Let's get to it. And this has to be PG for God's sake. Yeah, no, I know. Okay. It's not going to be. Well, I had to clarify with both of you. Um, Okay, so (laughs) what is one of your funniest memories of Andrew growing up? That's your... Oh, and it has to be PG. Yes, and I know yeah. that cuts out quite a that few things. That pretty much eliminates everything, sadly. Uh, <laughs> man. That's like, funny. what's something dumb that he's done that you were just like, what an idiot? I wasn't I would probably bad. say it's looking back on some of our yearbooks and just thinking about <laughs> the uh, various times he was up on stage doing just random shit from <laughs> uh, junior, senior high school. But uh, well, whether I, or not I, some of that became uh, PG-13. But I would say it all had to do with impressing you, Jen. Uh, it did. Make sure uh, he won you, which I would say uh, did work pretty well for him all of a sudden. Then, so. <laughs> well, I will. I'll bring this up is that when I did get on stage at the, t- at the talent show to ask you to... Pr- was that senior prom? No. Yeah, yeah that was. Or senior so. homecoming. No, it was senior homecoming. And I had to ask her in a really creative way. So I wrote a poem and you were driving me. I think you and Bryce <laughs> were driving me to the talent show. We had a football game that day. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Like, let's turn around. And you guys were like, no, we're going. Like, you're, go- you're going. And they, they made prob- me go. I they, wouldn't have gone. They probably Thank made you. you go for their own, like, enjoyment. Yeah. Like, it was probably like, like, oh, he's actually going to do it. <laughs> I think I wrote the poem, like, on the way there. Um, God, I wish I still had that. One of your many talents, just pure wordsmith. Yeah, I'm, exactly. Yeah. Oh man. I do think I remember the first line. It was it was Jen, ever since I met you, I knew that I wanted to go to homecoming with you. And I then mean, that was the beginning. Good. You're and then her grandparents were sitting in the front row and they thought I was proposing. Like afterward, oh, they like thought it was a proposal. <laughs> oh, that's funny. The good old days. Well, dude, this has been great like there's so many good gems here within this conversation and you seem like you are just so dialed in and so we appreciate the time and just the lessons and it was great just kind of diving into that stuff with you more man it seems like uh you're you're one of the top in the industry and um just hearing your viewpoints on this stuff was awesome it's fun having you guys are hanging with you guys today and uh We'll have to do it more often. Catch up I'm again. So, I'm so Heck proud yeah. of you both. Could you imagine? You could well. you imagine sitting at the lunch table twenty years, twenty years ahead, talking, talking like talking this as grown-ups? I know yep. it's crazy. We had a lot more hair back then, man. <laughs> we did. <It's> accurate. <laughs> Speak for yourselves. I'm doing great. Yeah, yeah you we're are. Good, dude. <laughs> did it. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Look forward to uh, catching up with you guys again soon. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great day. Happy Halloween. Dude, that was good.